I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched Walt Disney's 1940 film, Pinocchio. This is the first in our Pinocchio Palooza. Uh, not not an official holiday, but we are going to watch a bunch of Pinocchio films. This is the first of five that we will be watching. Goodness, that's Happy a lot. Nina. That's a Happy, lot of Pinocchio. Happy Pinocchio year. <laughs> um, Pinocchio Palooza 2023. To give you just a, a little bit, we are starting here with Disney's uh, classic version. Then we're going to see a uh, Russian adaptation, an Italian adaptation, uh, Disney's remake of this movie that we saw today, and finally, Guillermo del Toro's version. So, uh, you know, I think I think uh, most of those have potential to be interesting. One of them doesn't. We'll see. <laughs> we won't tell you which one. I think you can guess. Um, I'll do a spoiler-free plot synopsis. This is the story of Pinocchio, even though it initially is following Jiminy Cricket. He's a little cricket who comes upon Geppetto's workshop. Geppetto is making a little wooden boy um, who he makes a wish at night that he could be a real boy. He clearly would like to have a child, but does not seem to have any wife to make that happen with. So he's he's wishing on a star. Uh, Blue Fairy comes and makes Pinocchio real and makes uh, Jiminy the official conscience to, to help guide him on the path. Yeah, well, he's not a real boy. Oh, sorry. She makes him alive, but he is still a puppet boy. He is not yet a real boy. He has to to learn how to be a real boy, basically. Um, So when he goes off along to school the next day, um, he immediately gets in trouble as he comes across two dishonest guys who lead him astray and convince him to become an actor for a guy named Stromboli, who uh, is not very nice to his actors and throws Pinocchio in a cage. Then the Blue Fairy is like, okay, I'll rescue you this once and gets him out of there. But he does immediately get in trouble again when those same dishonest guys <laughs> drag him off to uh, get on a stagecoach to go to Pleasure Island where terrible things happen. And what? By- it's called Pleasure Island, though. <laughs> and by the time Pinocchio gets back home, Geppetto, who has been out looking for him while he's been gone is gone and Pinocchio's got to find him and is, and is told from a note from the blue fairy that his father is in the belly of a giant whale named Monstro. So Pinocchio's got to go help his father out. It's a little bit of an episodic thing, um, but that's all kind of about Pinocchio learning how to exist in this world and what makes a good boy or a bad boy, basically. What did we think of this movie? Jury is still a little bit out with me as far as would I recommend it. Sure. I definitely did not dislike it as much as I thought, but there are lots of things and even the whole premise and a lot of things that really bother me about this. 
about this movie, about this story. So. You had expected to hate it. I and expected you'd mentioned, to absolutely hate and it. And you'd mentioned that you'd had a bit of a conception in your head, like a vague kind of remembrance that was maybe not the same as what it yes, ended up Yes, and not to get too much into animation because we're not in that part sure. yet. But my recollection was that it was a very dark, even visually dark movie for some reason. You know, with shadows with a lot of grayscale, just a very dreary, downtrodden movie. Uh, you know, um, very depressing almost movie. I don't know. That's just what I had in my head. So I really wasn't looking forward to this. When I, I just, when I think of Disney, I just think of, again, beautiful colors, beautiful animation. And that's just not what came to mind when I, when I thought of this movie. And yet that was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was more of that than the other. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was, it was fine. There were visually, it was uh, really good story wise. I, it was fine. Um, not like not going to be one of your favorite stories ever. Yeah, but. yeah. Not super engaging, engaging. But yeah, I don't know. I I didn't hate it. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I I don't enjoy it as much as like Snow White. Um, but I think. I remember uh, a couple years ago, Valerie, you and I had tried to watch Snow White, didn't think that much of it. Uh, and we also tried to watch Pinocchio, and I don't think we even got all the way through it. Um, and I think it goes to show that, like, actually sitting down and paying attention to a movie is generally a better way to watch a movie than kind of half watching it while you do other things and not paying that much attention to it. Because we ended up liking Snow White a whole lot more than we did initially when we rewatched it for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I certainly enjoyed Pinocchio a lot more here. Like, I didn't feel like, oh, I, I gotta shut this off. I'm sick of it. Like, no, I, I had a good time. Um, I think this is a good movie. Um, it's not perfect or, like, my favorite. Um, but there's... There's a, a lot of artistry going on here that's worth talking about. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so I definitely recommend it. Let's get specific. Boy, do I have some fun facts for y'all. So let's start with this movie is Disney's second animated feature film produced after the success of Snow White. It is based on the 1883 Italian children's novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. It was intended actually to be Walt Disney Studios' third feature after Bambi, but due to difficulties with Bambi, such as adapting its story and animating the animals realistically, Disney announced that Bambi would be postponed and Pinocchio would be moved to, uh, they would move ahead with that in production. Um, initially, Pinocchio was not a box office success. Um, the box office returns from the film's initial release were both below Snow White's unprecedented success and below studio expectations. Of the film's $2.6 million negative cost, twice the cost of Snow White, Disney only recouped about $1 million by late 1940, with studio reports of the film's final original box office take varying between $1.4 million and $1.9 million. Animation historian Michael Barrier notes that in its first public annual report, Walt Disney Productions charged off a $1 million loss to the film. This was primarily due to the fact that World War II and its aftermath had caught off, cut off the Europe European and Asian markets overseas and hindered the international success of Pinocchio and other Disney releases during the early and mid-1940s. Joe Grant recalled Walt Disney being very, very depressed about Pinocchio's initial returns at the box office. Eventually, the film made a profit in its 1945 reissue. In 1994, Pinocchio was added to the United States National Film Registry for being deemed culturally, historically, and or aesthetically significant. So it certainly eventually got prestige but did not start off that way 
Let's talk a little bit about the story and characters, and then I'll go back and, and I'll give you guys a break on the fun facts and uh, talk about some production stuff and early versions of the characters later. First, let's talk about what's there and what you guys think. With the story, this is where this is still the biggest issue I think that I have. I can't separate when I watch something. I can't separate the 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 mother in me, the teacher in me. And so I think what bothers me so much is this poor Pinocchio never has a chance. He has very irresponsible guardians. He has, he becomes, I think of like a combination of uh, when we, Frosty the Snowman, who comes alive one day, it's his birthday day. Pinocchio became alive at night. The next morning, before he has any guidance in life, in the world, in what's going on, he gets shooed out the door by his father to go to school. Again, this kid just came alive. Gives him him an apple, a book. A little vest. Yes, a little vest. And shoes him on his way. Doesn't walk him to school. Doesn't give him, isn't a guardian to him, this, this... this little being that just came to life. And then as much as I love Jiminy Cricket, I love Jiminy Cricket, but Jiminy Cricket hardly ever stays with Pinocchio. He tells him, oh, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. And he runs on ahead of him. That's kind of like me again, the grandmother in me that has a three and a half year old Parker. It's like, Parker, we're going to go in this building. And I go ahead of him and I expect him to follow me and him to get there safely. What in the set, what in the heck sense does that make? So, I mean, I think Jiminy only runs ahead the one time. Oh, no, the, he does. At the, at he the does. beginning, he's like late. He like sleeps in or whatever. Oh yeah, that's true. When when does he when does he run ahead other than when uh, after they escape from Stromboli and they're running back home? I don't know as far as him actually running ahead, but he's never with them. He's like, oh, no, sure. Or whatever. But I think the running ahead happens once. I guess whenever they're running. Well, no, when they're going to he tells them to go Oh wait, Right. When they go to school, school. Jiminy is not with him at all because he slept in. Yes. But then this coming back from school or, or them, oh, them escaping from, from the guy. Initially they do. Yes, I think that's I think, the running away. I think he gets it up when, when they go to go home that. That's, that's the same thing. What are you talking about? Well, I guess about? it was kind of broken into two different bits. It's one, one was thing. They escape okay, from the thing okay. and then they go home and then he's like, race you home. Okay. Well, then yeah, the when they go. But then when he goes to the, uh, the, when he catches up with him um, and, and talks to him in the, in Pleasure, Pleasure Island, he does That's not running ahead him. though. No, I know, but I, I just mean. It's honestly, it's not really shown exactly like he's on the carriage and then we see the carriage get there and all the kids go and are playing and we see scenes of them playing and then we see Pinocchio with Lampwick and it's like. Then after that, after a lot of the kids are gone, we see Jiminy being like, where is everybody? And it's like, where were you this whole time? I know, I know. Well, I just mean is he's just not there to guide. He's, it, well, and even I'm when only walking, defending the fact that he only ran ahead the one time. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. Otherwise, yeah, he's, he's but, a bit drunk. I get So the premise, though, of this whole little story is this this little um, person, this little young, young guy that, that just became alive is given next to no guidance. I mean, and even the Blue Fairy, which you really like, is pretty vague in their directions and you need to be honest and true and this and that. I mean, She's like a whimsical fairy and she's putting him, like having him have to like prove himself moralistically. No one gives him any clear direction is what I'm saying, nor do they physically keep him safe or give him any guidance. (laughs) And yet then they're all surprised. But, but, and bear (laughs) with me here, 
That's the point. <laughs> I know, I know, but too That's many... That's the point of the movie. I know, but too many bad guys. I guess I feel like it was too stressful because Pinocchio's in peril all the time. I mean, yeah. like, first the, 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 you know, the fox and whatever, that guy, and then twice. And they physically, the second time, they physically carry him off. Oh, yeah, they physically just take they him. They physically carry him off. And then that horrible Stromboli guy, um, you know, again, he's sold into slavery with Stromboli. Is it Stromboli? Stromboli yeah. is the uh, cart, and then, cart guy. Uh, yeah. And then was the guy from Pleasure Island, was he supposed to be the devil? I don't know. It's, it's speculated that he could be the devil, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and then, I don't know. I just feel like poor Pinocchio, the odds were stacked against him. And he just literally had no guidance. And he was, the thing is. He didn't literally have no guidance. He literally has a conscience that is a guy who can talk. So he has guidance. That's now you not, can question if it's good. Not effective. He doesn't have any effective guidance. Or he has, he, has, he doesn't have any good guardians. But here's the thing. I do think that one thing that, that became evident to me is I... He's, he believes everyone. So in one sense, I think that it is shown that he has a little pure heart as far as trusting and, and loving. But yeah. again, with no guidance, that just got him into all kinds of trouble. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. I think it feels like one of the main ways in which it felt like the negative actions weren't a consequence of him just believing everyone is when uh, Jiminy, you know... Ca- like in the first kind of challenge or whatever, uh, Jiminy catches up with Pinocchio. Pinocchio's like, I'm going to go be an actor. Uh, and while Honest John's hat is stuck on his head, uh, Jiminy's like, okay, you're going to tell him, thank you. Uh, sorry, can't do this. You know, thanks anyway. I'm going to go to school. And then <laughs> Honest John's like, let's go. And he's like, bye, Jiminy. <laughs> like... <laughs> That was an actual choice to be like, thanks, Jiminy. I'm going to go be an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Pinocchio isn't perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. But, like, this is essentially a morality play, and Mom doesn't like that aspect of it. I understand. Yeah, yeah. But the point is for this little child who's pretty naive and trusting to be thrust into the evils of the world and have to make his way. Like, it's that's the story. Yeah, yeah. I just want, like, that's definitely a. Showing that, like, his actions aren't fully consequences of being misled. Yeah, and I mean, I think he... he, There, he made an active decision. He, like, smokes a pipe and drinks beer, not just because Lampwick said it either, but because Lampwick makes it look fun. Like, he he goes to be an actor because Gideon uh, and... Well, not Gideon, because he didn't talk. uh, Honest John convinced him that that sounded like, like a much more fun idea than school. Yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, yeah, he's he does make his own decisions, and it's not just constantly being led from one to the other. But, uh, yeah, um, I love you very much, Mom. <laughs> uh, that's that's the point of this movie, though. So I get that you're not down with it on a conceptual level. Yeah. Your complaints is basically, I don't like what the movie is it, at all. Well, yeah. and also, too, is the premise of these adults manipulating little kids. Yeah, right. you can do that. That's just so morally wrong, and that's such a staple, and that's Yeah, no one does that in real life ever, so... I know, I know it's horrible, but it feels like because... What I want to say is I feel like... I know they're not condoning it, but it feels like they're condoning it, because that is It feels is like just, who's condoning it? Disney? 
the whole premise of the movie, yeah. So you like, think like, that Disney, no. through this movie, is saying, <laughs> it's really great when two adult men sell a child into slavery, <laughs> and it's great when a man locks a child in a cage, and it's great when a man drives a stagecoach full of boys to an island where they can give in to all their worst impulses and then transform into donkeys to once again be sold into slavery in a mine. And it's great when a little boy's eaten by a whale, I guess. Like, I'm not, I'm kind of, I'm not understanding. Well, if you put it that way, no, I guess condoning is not the right word. Right. I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is, I, what, what, what am I searching for? I, I want to say not condoning it, but that maybe minimizing it, that, that it's making a story out of something horrendous. I don't know, just bothers me. Because it's sh- the premise of it bothers me so much, and then to make a story out of it to entertain people just feels wrong. I have a sense. question: Do you have any idea what the original actual story of Pinocchio is like? No. Let's talk worse. about it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, but while you're looking it up, I do want to say that I do think it is it was negligent for Geppetto. Not to walk him to school. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Just yes. walk Gepetto, him to school that first time. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think we can all agree, <laughs> Geppetto, not a smart man. Yeah. Not like a good father. <laughs> Loving father? Yes. Good father? No. 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 And I guess you might get that a little bit reflected in the beginning when Oh, with the creepy stuff that he's made? No, no. Oh, some of it. With uh, when he's dancing Pinocchio around... Pets Figaro, yes. and then has Figaro or has yeah. Pinocchio kick, kick Figaro. I know, I know. So maybe, yeah, yeah, okay. So let's talk a little bit about early production for this movie. In September 1937, during the production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, animator Norman Ferguson brought a translated version of Carlo Collodi's Italian children's novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio, to the attention of Walt Disney. After reading the book, Walt was busting his guts with enthusiasm, as oh Ferguson goodness. later recalled. <laughs> Disney then commissioned storyboard artist Bianca Margiol to write a new story outline for the book, but after reading it, he felt her outline was too faithful. In the original novel, Pinocchio is a cold, rude, ungrateful, inhuman brat that often repels sympathy and only learns his lessons the hard way. The writers decided to modernize the character and depict him similar to Edgar Bergen's dummy, Charlie McCarthy, who would wisecrack, misbehave, and flirt shamelessly. I looked that up, so I was like, what does that mean? Uh, But equally as rambunctious as the puppet in the book. Early scenes animated by Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston show that Pinocchio's design was exactly like that of a real wooden puppet with a long pointed nose, a peaked cap, and bare wooden hands. Disney, however, was not impressed with the work that was being done on the film. He felt that no one could really sympathize with such a character and called for an immediate halt in production. Fred Moore redesigned the character slightly to make him more appealing, but the design still retained a wooden feel. Young and upcoming animator Milt Call felt that Thomas Johnston and Moore were rather obsessed with the idea of this boy being a wooden puppet and felt that they should forget that he was a puppet and get a cute little boy. You can always draw the wooden joints and make him a wooden puppet afterwards. Co-supervising director Hamilton Lusk uh, suggested to Call that he should demonstrate his beliefs by animating a test sequence. So Call then showed Disney an animation test scene in which Pinocchio is underwater looking for his father. From this scene, Call re-envisioned the character by making him look more like a real boy with a child's hat and standard cartoon character four-fingered hands with Mickey Mouse-type gloves on him. 
The only parts of Pinocchio that still looked more or less like a puppet were his arms, legs, and his little button wooden nose. Disney embraced Call's scene and immediately urged the writers to evolve Pinocchio into a more innocent, naive, somewhat coy personality that reflected Call's design. However, Disney discovered that this new Pinocchio was too helpless and was far too often led astray by deceiving characters. Therefore, in the summer of 1938, Disney and his story team established the character of the Cricket. Originally, the talking Cricket was only a minor character that Pinocchio abruptly killed by squashing him with a mallet and that later returned as a ghost. (laughs) Disney dubbed the cricket Jiminy and made him into a character that would try to guide Pinocchio into the right decisions. The character was initially depicted as a realistic cricket with toothed legs and waving antennae, but Disney wanted something more likable. Ward Kimball, who had spent several months animating two sequences in Snow White that were ultimately cut from the film due to pacing, uh, was about to quit Disney, but was rewarded for his work by uh, being promoted to supervising animator of Jiminy Cricket in particular. Kimball then conjured up the design for Jiminy Cricket, whom he described as a little man with an egg head and no ears. Jiminy was a cricket because we called him a cricket, Kimball later (laughs) joked. (laughs) So, um... The tone of the original novel is a little oh different. Oh my goodness. Pinocchio's a little monster who does bad things constantly and also halfway through is hung from a tree and killed. <gasps> um, because this was not like a novel originally, it was um, something that was Short being stories, released yeah. by chapter by chapter. And Carlo Collodi wanted to be done with it. But... His work was very successful, so an editor was like, hey, maybe make him not be dead on the tree and let's write some more of this, please? So he did that, and eventually it was all collected into a novel. Was this supposed to be like a horror story or something? Um, what the no, heck? No, I, but I think it was... What's that creepy puppet or ventriloquist puppet, puppet, whatever, that in, in, uh, and they made like horror movies out of? Like, Saw? No, like no. Chucky or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. A little it's a red creepy, hair? Creepy doll, the quilt doll. Sure, why? Okay. I don't know. Was it? Was no, it wasn't a horror movie. <laughs> it was a book. It terrible. was a book, and it was a, still a morality <laughs> no, play. But it was about fairy tales. Right? It was <laughs> about the idea that children are kind of inherently evil and have to like learn lessons through the world being harsh. That's yeah. that's kind of the idea of it. I could, but that's also. It reflects a viewpoint that was more common back when it was made, which is that children are born with sin and have to overcome it. That's oh, not how goodness. most people view children now, regardless of if they're Christian. So, like, it feels weird now, but that was very much in line with the thought back then. Goodness. And we're also living in a world where in 1940, this film came out and kind of put a new idea of this story in the public consciousness. So we're used to Pinocchio being a pretty sweet boy who tries but gets into trouble and Jiminy Cricket being a conscience who doesn't get murdered at the beginning and then yeah. come back as a ghost oh later briefly. No, he's basically, uh, from what I understand, he still tries to be like, Pinocchio, you should do the right thing. And then Pinocchio murders him. Oh <laughs> Just, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Oh my so, goodness. So, uh, a true to the version, uh, a true to the book version of the movie, when, when Jiminy's like, you'll say this, and then honest John comes in, Pinocchio instead would crush him. Grab grabs Gideon's mouth and just crushes him. <laughs> and then they leave. 
I don't think I don't I genuinely I do not think the cricket lasts even that long in the book. (laughs) Oh my I can definitely see So so it's just understanding that not only is this an adaptation of an episodic long children's novel that was, you know, not what we think of children's novels now. Um, and understanding that, like, they were trying to take this big thing, condense it, and they also ultimately went with a much more sympathetic portrayal of the main character. And then, because they went so hard on that, we're like, oh, also, let's take this very minor character, make him a bigger deal to to help guide this character more. Like, it's just just understanding all the changes that happened here to make what we now think of as, like, the iconic Pinocchio story that is very different from what the original Pinocchio story is. I think some writers, artists are twisted. Okay. <laughs> and very well, disturbed. <laughs> well, I mean, look, yeah, we're not going to, look, we're not going to go there right now, but suffice to say the intentions behind the original story were very different yes. than the intentions of Walt Disney making this film. Uh, they wanted to take a work that was well known and well liked, but make it work under the kind of Disney brand that was a nascent thing at that time. Well, this seems like the most wonderful story on the face of the <laughs> earth oh compared God. to all of that. Oh my goodness gracious. But they, they still, it seems to me not having actually read the original, that they still are trying to kind of keep with the basic idea that this child has to go through these trials and challenges to become, to understand what goodness is and to make an active choice to be that yeah you know like that's that's what it's about and so he does have to go through a harsh world for that to happen because if he just goes to school and has a nice day like there's not a story you know yeah (laughs) yeah and i was gonna say that i can understand why they went with this version of pinocchio because it definitely would have been more of a uh a slog more upsetting to watch a child who is so unlikable like i'm very curious to see how other movies do it yes yeah I'm very that, very curious that's the other thing too is like oh we're gonna be seeing a couple interpretations of these um, and only one that is definitely this specific take <laughs> like only one that's like definitely like i don't know to what degree other versions take from the original versus disney yeah but we know we only know that there's Definitely one that we're that we've got on the docket that is going to be very much Disney's take because it'll be an actual remake of it. Yeah, yeah. The others, it's a question mark. I don't know. I haven't seen them. So, so I'm, I'm more interested to see because it could, be, yeah, like uh, it might I hope be... they don't kill Chimney Cricket. <laughs> we will see. Well, they might not even have him, or it might yeah. be more of a brief. Thing. Uh, yeah, he's a minor character, so uh, he doesn't necessarily. Depending on what you consider the important bits of the story, does he even need to exist? Yeah. I think that I think that varies. So, so yeah, I guess I'll even more so let go of expectations for those. You very much should, because again, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what those other ones will be like, but they are not necessarily taking after Disney. I'd be surprised if they weren't to some degree inspired by it, whether or not that inspiration lies in a subverting it or not yeah. sort of mentality. I don't know. We'll see. I don't I have I'm very curious about the Russian one especially. Um 
Um, I have a couple of other little notes. Um, I I like that it started with the iconic song and the cute little man singing it, who's the cricket because they tell us he's a cricket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like what he said when he's like kind of narrating and he says, as I stood there warming my dot, dot, dot myself, which is, he says, while he's warming his little butt. (laughs) He doesn't want to say butt, though he does then touch a butt not long after that, so. (laughs) It's a... I like his little size and how he he fits into. I mean, he's the perfect little size for all of the different creations of Geppetto. And yeah, yeah. Whatever. I don't like all of the things that Geppetto made. There are some <laughs> disturbing things. He's um, made some choices. He's so twisted. Yeah. All yes. the all the TikToking and wheezing during the night, though. That's like my worst nightmare. It's a light sleeper. Oh, terrible. Yeah. I liked how Geppetto was really reluctant at first to believe that Pinocchio came to life. I'm like, I'm glad that he didn't just immediately accept that. He's like, whoa, whoa, I'm, I've got to be dreaming. This yeah. cannot be real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said at one point that to, to Valerie that Jiminy Cricket really wants to bone down because I think a thing that's forgotten in this movie is that Jiminy Cricket is like really flirtatious constantly with depictions of ladies. It's yes. almost always depictions rather than any actual real ladies. Yeah. Well, but I said that and then Valerie said, talk to that fish because <laughs> Cleo just really wants to kiss someone. Uh, that's, she's just a little kissy fish. Um, <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Jiminy wants to be kissed. So like, but they never, <laughs> they never do. <laughs> um, Something that I found interesting watching this is that we spend like almost half an hour in Geppetto's home. And I had not realized that we spent so much time in that establishing area, you know, like that's a significant portion. I mean, a good amount is like beginning Jiminy with his song. Yeah. Jiminy with the intro of the story. Setting up Geppetto's want for, for a son. And then they're yeah. kind of like, oh, I'm trying not to get caught. Yeah, there's a lot of of that establishing stuff mm-hmm. that takes longer than I guess you might realize. Yeah. Well, and I, I would just say with story and characters, but one thing that they don't do, I don't feel like they do successfully enough, is build a really strong bond between uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto, or even Pinocchio and um, and Jiminy. I mean, they're thrown together. They have that relationship, but they don't spend, you know, a very, very much of the movie really establishing that. I think they do a decent job with Geppetto, though a lot of that job is done before Pinocchio is even alive. They do a good job, I think, establishing who Geppetto is kind of this bumbling, mostly kind uh, mm-hmm. old man who wants a son. Yeah. And, so, and, yeah. I, the, the, you know, there's that setup. He then doesn't get to spend all that long with his son. Mm-hmm. But I think getting to see who he is and then seeing his, his big excitement at having Pinocchio, I think it does a decent enough job and is then supplemented as throughout the movie, you see him going out trying to find Pinocchio. You know, like he, he seen so what the extent to which he cares and is going out here in the rain trying to find his boy, I think does enough, you know? Jiminy, on the other hand, I mean, they sing a little song together, and I think that's kind of the most establishing thing. Um, yeah, I, I I guess to an extent it does feel like, why should Pinocchio listen to this little guy? <laughs> he barely knows this little guy. Um 
So, yeah. And they, I feel like they do, uh, story-wise, really establish the bond between Geppetto and Figaro and... Yeah, um, Cleo. Cleo. And again, show that that you know that he loves them, and they're and they're this little family unit. And again, and then, I think that helps influence the relationship to Pinocchio, and that it shows that he's loving and caring. You know, right. even yes. if it's not as much time spent on him actually doing that to Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, I like that Jiminy does not go and tell Geppetto that Pinocchio is gonna go be an actor because that would be snitching. <laughs> <laughs> he like literally says that I just find that hilarious most of Stromboli's other puppets are pretty women and that makes me very curious about what kind of puppet show he's normally running is I guess what I'm gonna say there especially like the can-can dancers and stuff I just have questions um, uh-huh. about the kind of show he normally runs the audience that that perpetuates and why he thinks putting a little boy in it is a good idea is I guess so I guess just all I'm thinking. Yeah, and so many of the characters like Stromboli, whatever, are just, they just show the evil, horrible side of. There's mm-hmm. not much dimension. They're pretty much one-dimensional creepsters or evil, you know, and even, again, the the, the fox and the cat. I mean, just... Honest you know, John and Gideon. Honest John and Gideon. Do you want me to tell you uh, the full just name? Just prey on, on, on kids, you know. His name is... Honest John Worthington Fowlfellow. Mm, okay. okay. That's his name. And, get, and then his friend is Gideon the cat. <laughs> so. I, you know, and uh, to be honest, uh, to be fair, uh, to I think this is why in my mind this movie was so dark and I equated it with it being visually dark mm-hmm. just because there are so many or there, there's multiple, there's multiple not a characters. No, but if there's multiple characters that are just purely, oh yeah, purely evil or just purely negative, purely you know, yeah, we ba- we basically meet all of the nice characters in Geppetto's home, and then everyone outside of that home that we meet is bad. Just yeah. like every every Ex- single one, uh, Lampwick is the is the least bad, but is you know he's he's kind of like a a jerk little kid. Yeah. He doesn't deserve what happens to him. But then like everyone else is just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you've got two, two dishonest um, guys, scoundrel. scoundrel guys. You've got just a guy who cares only about money and does not see Pinocchio as a person. You've got maybe the literal devil. Like, you yeah. know, it's just, yeah. it's a harsh world out there. Oh. I liked that they had the thunder drown out Geppetto's voice when yes. he was near to uh, Pinocchio's carriage. Like, cause he's out there yelling for Pinocchio. It's raining. The carriage passes and he kind of steps back to let that go. But then it hasn't gone too far and he starts yelling again. And you're like, oh, well, Pinocchio will be able to hear that. But then there's thunder and it drowns out his voice. And you're like, ah, no, they gotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're so close. I like that Honest John immediately assumed that the coachman was hiring him to assassinate someone. Yeah, yeah. He sees that big amount of money and he's like, okay, who I gotta kill? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, have you done that before? 100%. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I guess I just doubt his capability, not his willingness, just his capability. Yeah, maybe he got uh, like an advance to do it. Totally inept. Genuinely. Had to run. If... Honest John and Gideon have killed someone. I think Gideon was the one who actually. Did <laughs> oh yeah, because Gideon is a lot honest. Of John came with, up with, with the plan big, with that big yes. yeah, yeah. Thing. That's right because 
initially, when they were going to get Pinocchio for Stromboli, Gideon was going to hit oh, him yeah. in the head. He was he, ready for violence. Yes, yeah. 100%. <laughs> He's like, and then we'll knock him out and we'll take him. And the guy's yeah. like, no, no, it's no. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> um... When we see Geppetto in Monstro, he talks about how they haven't had a bite for days, and that kind of made me be like, whoa, whoa, what is the timetable on this movie? Because to me, it feels like Pinocchio goes out, and then he gets locked in a cage that night, he escapes that night, and then he gets on a stagecoach that same night and goes to Pleasure Island, and then escapes that same night, and then goes back to his house that same night. No. <laughs> but apparently more time passed here, yeah. even though you do not see much daytime. I can see time passing between the stagecoach and getting to Pleasure Island because they were on a boat yeah. by that point. And then get from Pleasure Island getting back to Geppetto... That is a big question mark of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see time pa- enough time passing. Appar- also, apparently days, at least. And also them try- getting to Geppetto. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's that's true, too. Like, those are big question marks of time. And again, if Geppetto had walked Pinocchio to school that first day <laughs> Look, we've and already picked him up from school and walked him home. We've already, <laughs> we've already commented <laughs> on his bad job of parenting. Let's talk some about voice acting. So, due to the huge success of Snow White, Walt Disney wanted more famous voices for Pinocchio, which marked the first time that an animated film used celebrities as voice actors. Yes, it started with the second Disney movie. Oh my goodness. Uh, He cast popular singer Cliff Edwards, also known as Ukulele Ike, as Jiminy Cricket. He also cast 11-year-old child actor Dickie Jones, who had previously been in in Frank Capra's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, as Pinocchio. So all the way back here is where it starts, folks. I mean, it's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to do. Also, fun fact, Cliff Edwards, this is not the first time that we've heard him voice a character in a Disney movie, but the other time that he did it was a lot worse because he voiced the main crow in Dumbo. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yikes. Figaro is voiced by Clarence Nash. You know who that is? That's Donald Duck, baby. Ooh. Figaro is Donald Duck. Figaro, uh, Donald Duck meows. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's not the first time we've heard it, but that was the first That's the first time, time on the podcast we've heard. Yes. This, yes, Dumbo this... comes after this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time on the pod is what I mean. Um... The Blue Fairy, her live-action reference was Marge Champion, who also did live-action reference for the titular heroine in Snow White. Mm-hmm. So that's neat. Mm-hmm. Here's the most interesting fun fact to me, though, about, like, voice acting, the the people behind this, is that Gideon the Cat was voiced by Mel Blanc. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, voiced? So, originally, he was intended to be voiced by Mel Blanc, who you might know for his Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies career, where he voices almost all of the characters. <laughs> um, but the filmmakers removed his dialogue from the script in favor of a mute performance like Dopey and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. A solitary hiccup heard three times in the finished film is the only bit of Blank's performance that remains. Oh my goodness. So must have been disappointing. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, I think, a little bit before or maybe in the very early years of... Of him becoming a big name at, at Warner Brothers also. Yeah. Like 1940 is still pretty early on um, for he. I don't think he was as well known for being like the voice actor for the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. But I'm so curious yeah. to think of what 
what that character would have been like with a voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's and, very... And I wonder if if he, it had actually used his voice, would it be different? Like, would he not have so, I don't know, sided with, readily sided with WB? Like, I don't know. Would he have gotten different opportunities to that would have kept him more on Disney? It's a good question. To not do the Looney Tunes stuff. Can you imagine, like... Not having him voicing Porky, Daffy, Bugs, just all of these characters. Yeah, truly. Yosemite Sam, just all, of, just basically all of them except for like Elmer Fudd is one of the main characters that he doesn't voice. Hmm. Yeah. Well, with him not speaking, he just seemed like he was really... Stupid and murderous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like full... Um, comedy full like joke character yeah i don't think making him as silent was a bad choice uh though i'm so curious what it would have been like with mel blank voicing him yeah i think he works well as the silent little villain that he is (laughs) let's talk some about animation During the production of the film, story artist Joe Grant formed a character model department, which would be responsible for building three-dimensional clay models of the characters in the film, known as maquettes. These models were then given to the staff to observe how a character should be drawn from any given angle desired by the artists. Um, And that became like a just mainstream practice for pretty much all Disney um, movies. I don't know to what extent other creators did that but disney studios made large work of maquettes Hmm. uh the model makers also built working models of geppetto's elaborate cuckoo clocks designed by albert harder uh, as well as stromboli's wagon and wooden cage and the coachman's carriage however owing to the difficulty of animating a realistic moving vehicle the artists filmed the carriage maquettes on a miniature set using stop motion animation then each frame of the animation was transferred on animation cells using an early version of a xerox the cells were then painted on the back and overlaid on top of background images with the cells of the characters to create the completed shot on the rostrum camera Like Snow White, live-action footage was shot for Pinocchio, with the actors playing the scenes in pantomime. Rather than tracing, which would result in stiff, unnatural movement, the animators used the footage as a guide for animation by studying human movement and then incorporating some slightly exaggerated poses into the animation. Pinocchio was a groundbreaking achievement in the area of effects animation, led by Joshua Midor. In contrast to the character animators who concentrate on their acting of the characters, effects animators create everything that moves other than the characters. This includes vehicles, machinery, and natural effects such as rain, lightning, snow, smoke, shadows, and water, as well as the fantasy or science fiction type effects like the pixie dust in Peter Pan. Influential abstract animator Oscar Fischinger contributed to the effects animation of the Blue Fairy's Wand. Effects animator Sandy Strother kept a diary about his year-long animation of the water effects, which included splashes, ripples, bubbles, waves, and the illusion of being underwater. To help give depth to the ocean, the animators put more detail into the waves on the water surface and the foreground and put in less detail as the surface moved further back. After the animation was traced on the cells, the assistant animators would trace it once more with a blue and black pencil leads to give the waves a sculpted look. To save time and money, the splashes were kept impressionistic. These techniques enabled Pinocchio to be one of the first animated films to have highly realistic effects animation. Ollie Johnston remarked, I think that's one of the finest things the studio has ever done. As Frank Thomas said, the water looks so real a person can drown in it, and they do. 
Um, so yeah, this this film is still to this day admired by animators for its animation in general, but particularly the effects animation. This and even more particularly the the water. And animators go crazy over that stuff, guys. They look at that and they're like, oh, God, I wish I could do something that good. (laughs) Um, So this is a very this is one of the reasons why this movie is considered one of the best animated works, because it is just so well animated on such a level of detail that is not ever again seen in almost anything else really? including disney's other works How come? because he spent a lot of money on it and did not make that money back oh okay yeah is is kind of a long and short of that answer okay yeah because it was it was absolutely beautiful the colors the detail and even in the design, everything from those those clocks to the toys. Yeah, I really loved the blue fairy. Also, how she, you know how she looked, and then yeah, uh, the and when you say the water, I'm ass, I'm assuming you mean everything from from the underwater the, the effects, underwater effect to the splashes yeah. to every just all the water effects, yeah. the little bits of water that would come off the fishes as they flapped around in the thing, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the underwater. When so, I've heard the the bit about uh, Pinocchio's water being, uh, you know, um, good. <laughs> yeah, not just good, but like uh, uh, what people learn against and and stuff like that. Yeah, I I didn't think about the underwater effects, but that is also part of what they mean. Yeah, no, and that also includes the character animation because. Uh, Pinocchio gets is underwater while they're looking for Geppetto and the way that the clothes float and stuff like that like all of that looks so good it's it really does and I've seen cartoon shorts from before and after this that have characters be underwater for significant periods of time and I hate looking at it because they basically always do like this obnoxious kind of smudge effect that like kind of works but is awful for me to look at with my eyes <laughs> but Pinocchio's it just it looks so good there's all this shimmering and the bubbles and it just yeah, it looks I, good <laughs> I even I think about uh, one of the times when <clears throat> Jiminy the Jiminy Cricket uh, oh, went into the clam and then was poofed back out of the clam in a bubble. And then his hat was in a separate bubble. And then he used his little umbrella to pull his hat from one bubble. And then as he pulled it down, then that bubble popped. But then the hat came into his... I mean, just so many just intricate... Intricate. 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 <laughs> um, details with that. Yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. I love... I know this would be more for story, but I love how Jiminy Cricket... Is fine underwater and just can breathe, does not die. And both of them. Uh, And both of them. But Pinocchio, at least, is is like, he's a wooden boy. I can believe he doesn't have lungs or need to breathe. Yes. But But Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket is a living being. And then I also just totally cracks me up how, um, is it Cleo? Yeah. Am I saying that right? How, again, in her little fishbowl, she can, the fishbowl just stays perfectly fine as all of the, the turmoil is going inside Monstro as they get blur, you know, spit outside Look, of Look, she's okay. Out of, 
look, yes. she's fine. They don't <laughs> that want glass they will don't never want break. you to worry about. It. They don't want you to worry about know, the animals at that, that, that point. That was good. I'm also, glad you're the in the spoiler were. territory, but you're being vague enough. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, but, like they just they don't want you to focus on the animals in <laughs> yes. that scene. They're like, please focus on the ostensible yes, humans. I'm so glad that they, they, yeah, they, they, they don't even really have you worry about Jiminy either. Yeah, like yeah, it's just Geppetto and Pinocchio. Yeah, that's true. But we can talk about that more later when we get to that point. But since you brought up Cleo, why is that fish so pretty? She why is she so, so cute and pretty? Cute and precious. I need like now- I think about the that that pretty fish in Vantasia. Cleo's got that fish beat. This is the yes. most beautiful fish Disney's ever made. And I why is know. it so beautiful? And I wonder if a little stuffed animal would, would still even be able to capture her beauty. Probably I not. Don't. Probably, Probably not. not. Just I know. That's a, that would be in 3D. Yeah. Unless you get that 3D model and can kind of gauge yeah. off what yeah. that might look like. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, Jiminy, you know, being fine underwater. I'm not worried about that. What I thought was funny was he was underwater. He was fine. He gets in a bubble and he's fine. And But when his bubble starts filling with water, he gets scared. And it's like, my guy, either one seemed okay. Why but are then you- the bubble pops and he's in the water and he's like, fine. Why are you now afraid? I think he's, he's scared of the transition. I guess. He's like, oh man, it sucks when I have to breathe in water. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Right, <laughs> right. Literally in the bottom of the ocean. I want to oh talk about gosh. a couple of the other like small things of the animation that I really liked. Um, I liked that uh, when um, Honest John is holding Pinocchio's book and pretending to read it, it's upside down. Just like, yes, this man is illiterate, but he <laughs> likes to pretend that he's smart. That's very important to him. <laughs> um, I like the shots down from the ground where Jiminy was, um, especially yes. as he was going after honest john in them and and you've got that just the rolling um ground beneath him and the huge foot of honest john and stuff i i I like those i like when stromboli ate like half of an onion just just a whole half of an onion and then like got pinocchio close to his face and when he put him back or whatever pinocchio was like crying because of the onion yeah i liked that um Lampwick transforming in, is such a horrifying scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, you see Jiminy, like, leaves after Pinocchio's like, no, I'm going to have fun with my friend Lampwick. He's my best friend or whatever. Yeah, that's Pleasure Island. Yeah, on Pleasure Island. And then Jiminy finds the other uh, kids, and they're all a decent amount of the way to transforming into donkeys, though they often do not use that word. Um because I guess the word that, that was they, a big the word that they I think the word that they used was just more acceptable f- to say back then as far as like in children's content because it's in Looney Tunes and stuff sometimes too which again it's not like a lot of this content was made for everyone rather than specifically kids but anyways not gonna get into that again um but Jiminy sees these kids and that's like horrifying. One of them like talks and and the coach uh, guy's like, this one's not ready yet. Throw him over in the pen with the others that aren't ready yet. And they're all yeah. just like begging for their mother. And like, so that's already horrifying. Yeah, to me that it was more horrifying. But then you go back and you're and you're like, it can't get more horrifying than this. We already see what happens. But then Lampwick starts like transforming. And at first it's just kind of silly looking. But then like he starts realizing and he starts like panicking and like 
and like kind of screaming and stuff. And then especially starting with the shot where his hands are like in front of Pinocchio, just like shaking and they transform into the hooves. And then there's like the silhouette of him on the wall as he like terribly like goes down onto all fours and like transforms and morphs. And then he's like screaming for his mother and brain and kicking things. It's no wonder that traumatizes a bunch of children because it's really messed up. Well, and, and to the reason I think why they keep using that, uh, that term is because they mean it li- literally and figuratively because one of the lines oh, yeah, 100%. Of, of the, the, devil guy or whatever is that they're going to make an a double s of themselves well, i think i think jiminy says just, that that's right they, it's it's, no, ja- it's that. jack it's oh, okay. jack a double s um they always say jack a double s they never just say yeah, yeah always because i think with jack at the front like i feel like that was just more acceptable to say back then for whatever reason um but yeah, no, it's clearly it's a it's a it's a pun, both in terms of how a person acts and the literal thing. Like a hundred percent that's the intent of using the word like that. The other you you mentioned there's just so much beautiful animation. I just can't even find all the you know, I, I don't feel like words do it justice, but everything from the color to the character designs to to as you were saying, but those characters staying on model like, you know, throughout scenes and transition. But even, I love the details of things. Like, for example, when uh, Pinocchio was in the cage in Stromboli's wagon and the wagon Mm -hmm. moving along the road and all of those marionettes and things uh, just hanging and and the way they were swaying. As you see even out the window of where he is, things going by. I mean, it was just The effects amazing. animation in this movie is amazing. Really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 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 Geppetto in the rain and Geppetto again. Um even the look of Geppetto coming in the rain and again that wagon, uh the, the Stromboli's um wagon and horses coming past him. Yeah. The effects of that oh my god. Yeah, honestly with this the- amazing with the wagon, I'm like, this isn't CG, but like it looks really good. Yeah. And and hearing about the making an actual technique. physical model and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and the techniques. It's like, okay, so that's why yeah. it looked so good. I'm not gonna have us spend any time right now on the what would it be in live action because we're gonna literally gonna find out. Mm-hmm. Uh and we can talk about how that maybe could have been done better. On that episode. Yeah, for sure. We're going to see it. <laughs> yep. So so we're not going to deal with that right and now. And none of us have... Y'all haven't seen we it. We have not seen none it. None of us have seen it. So it'll nope. be our first time seeing we didn't it. Just, see that to I've ourselves. just heard something about it, some things about it, and none of it's been, like, complimentary. Let's talk some about sound design. The songs in Pinocchio were composed by Lee Harline with lyrics by Ned Washington. Harline and Paul J. Smith composed the incidental music score. And then the underscore for the Monstro Chase sequence was orchestrated by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer composer Leo Arnaud. The soundtrack won an Academy Award for Best Original Score. And the song When You Wish Upon a Star won the 1940 Academy Award for Best Original Song and has since become Disney's official anthem. So yes, this movie won... (laughs) two Academy Awards, the first animated um, film to do so, I do believe, and one of like eight Disney films that have managed that. Uh, They don't manage it again for quite a while after this one. 
And I had forgotten how many songs that I that I do like that were in this movie. Let me list the songs real quick. <laughs> we got, of course, When You Wish Upon a Star. We have Little Wooden Head, which is what the kind of sing song one that Geppetto sings to uh, Pinocchio. We have Give a Little Whistle. We have High Diddly D. And we have I've Got No Strings. And that's it. That's all the songs in here, though they do reprise High Diddly D and When You Wish Upon a Star later in the film. Um, but yeah, almost all of those are like, I can see the song name and then it's in my head a little bit. So pretty catchy music. I think it's um, interesting that this, you know, this, like you said, it's a morality tale. But with the song When You Wish Upon a Star, like that is all like that's very moralistic. But I don't know if it actually reflects the moral of the the story part rather than like. We're telling you, it's like anybody can wish upon a star and it'll happen uh, if you're just like, you know, hoping for it or whatever. I, I don't know. It's, it's Geppetto's part of the I reality suppose. thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if like it's fully supported or. Yeah, I, I can know. see that. Yeah. Um, and I, I know this is kind of crosses over some of the other categories, but the music absolutely did enhance it. But I can see how the Monstro, that whole scene and the, you know, chasing scene and, and the whole things with Monstro would be terrifying. Anything else with the music sound effects stuff? Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? Before we really get into that question, let's talk some about the legacy of this movie. Um, specifically, you know, like stuff that's happened afterwards. Figaro the Kitten has been described as a hit with audiences, and that did result in him actually making appearances in several subsequent uh, Disney short films in the 1940s, often alongside Minnie Mouse and Pluto. Ooh. Uh, he's actually got his own theatrical cartoon series that are like Figaro cartoons specifically. There's like three of those and then a couple more uh, that aren't specifically part of the series that he also appears in. So, yeah, he has his little run of getting to be around some more after this. Um, in the mid 2000s, Disney Toon Studios began development on a sequel to Pinocchio. Robert Reese co-wrote the film's screenplay, which saw Pinocchio on a strange journey for the sake of something dear to him. It's a story that leads Pinocchio to question why life appears unfair sometimes, said Reese. John Lasseter canceled Pinocchio 2 soon after becoming <laughs> chief creative officer of Walt Disney Animation Studios in 2006. One of the few good things that he's ever done. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a Disney made-for-television movie titled Geppetto was released in 2000. It was based on a book by David Stern, which was a retelling of the original 1883 uh, Pinocchio book, but told from Geppetto's perspective. While not a direct adaptation of the 1940 animated film, it does feature a few common elements, such as the character of Figaro, the song I've Got No Strings, and Pleasure Island. It stars Drew Carey as Geppetto. We are not going to watch it, but it does I don't exist. Even remember oh that, gosh. but all right. A live action remake of the film was released in 2022. We will get to it later. <laughs> uh, as far as what, as far as um, the actual question of how this holds up, um, pretty well overall, better than maybe I remembered, but. There's definitely some problems. <laughs> For instance, Longfellow calls Stromboli a G-slur at one point. Yeah. Uh, you know, the slur for Romani peoples. Um, and Stromboli's general depiction is 
just it just kind of feels racist you know uh i think pretty much any of the italian that he speaks is gibberish rather than actual italian he is voiced by a white man uh he's got those kind of red lips and dark skin that's kind of a little bit off-putting and he just also feels like a mean-spirited caricature of a Romani person in terms of his uh, greed and narcissism and lack of care for others. Yeah. So it's interesting then that he's considered one of the most popular villains from this movie, <laughs> who has made the most appearances at like Walt Disney World and in other pieces of media. Um, it's interesting that we're still, to a great degree, just okay with that, because we shouldn't be, I think. Um, there's also some Native American statues on Pleasure Island yes. uh, that are hand out cigarettes. Um, so that's yikes. Um, one of Geppetto's um, clocks in the background. Pretty sure that's like um, like an indigenous black person or, or something. It doesn't move, but I, I think it appeared in at least two shots. So that's yikes. There's the stuff power. in the background, but for me personally, the biggest thing is is probably Stromboli in general. Yeah. Um, well, and there's a mother spanking her child in one of the clocks with the pants pulled down, so a bare bottom. That's sure. I mean, well, I just mean that's you know, there's there's I mean that is problematic. I also the fact that the kids that are going to Pleasure Island are supposed to be like kids. I mean, not even junior high, high school. I mean, it's very vague how old they're supposed to be. Alcohol and and tobacco. Lampwick definitely seemed older than Pinocchio to me, but like, it's, it's very unclear what the age range is. They're definitely kids. Yeah. But I mean, with, with the, the smoking and the drinking, like that's, you know, part of the morality story. So like you, you've got to show them doing something bad because that's part of what right you know turns them into one of the only things that i know about the remake and um is that they do not have the kids drink beer they drink root beer and i think that's stupid (laughs) And, and like undermining the point of this place which is that it's supposed to be this magical, fantastic uh, land where these boys can act up and misbehave and not get in trouble and do all the thing taboo things like fighting and breaking things and smoking and drinking. Like, none of it's good. It's all giving into their worst impulses and desires. It's the things that they want to do that their parents tell them not to do, but they're like... Ah, why can't I do it? That's stupid that I can't do these things. And so here they get to indulge, but those things are harmful to them. (laughs) Those things ultimately turn them into a donkey in this particular instance, but they're harmful outside of that too. It's not good for them to get into these, you know? Like, that's the point. And so pulling that back and, and being like, oh, they just drink root beer and the live action one is... Like, it's undermining the point that's trying to be made here to try to, like, appeal to, no offense, moms that don't want to actually think about what the morals of the original movie and what it was trying to say, which is, which was never that it's super cool for these kids to drink and smoke. Like, Pinocchio, like, smokes a bunch and then seems to be having the absolute worst time of his life. The film's stance is pretty clear. (laughs) So what else do you think is problematic? I think it's mostly for me the race things. Um, 
there's certainly there's a there's good no women. There's a, yes, exactly. There's a very good argument to be made that this is like where where are any women <laughs> at all? Blue like, fairy. The, blue fairy, that's blue fairy is basically the only one. Um, then there's like some dolls and Stromboli show. And oh, some I, clockwork girls. Yeah. And, like, most of those girls are, like, immediately objectified by Jiminy Cricket. I know, which I was is... going to say, I know, I was going to say, and, you know, the one where you said that he puts his hand, it was a very shapely, well, it was a woman with a like, very pronounced uh, a bustle on, on, yeah, like, on her backside. Yeah, one of those, like, really big, big dresses. Yeah, really big dresses that had, I think it's called a bustle, which sure. basically looks like you have a, a very large... but it's like a big and he literally was was you know leaning on it and laying his hand on it yeah and then and then all of a sudden he was like oh sorry yeah but yeah so totally he objectified the women the female uh yeah he's a he's a little horn dog and frankly i didn't need that i know (laughs) that really bothered me the making him lecherous i don't know just yeah wasn't needed (laughs) a little stupid too because he's trying to cut in on a dance yes with clockwork things i mean i think he knows that they're not real people, right? But it's gonna. They. they oh yeah, sure. He they didn't did think back ahead. together. He didn't think ahead on that one. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Anything else with this section? Let's go on to our spoiler, spoiler alert. Skip to one hour, twelve minutes, and forty-six seconds. So the end of the movie, uh, Pinocchio's got to go rescue his dad from a whale uh, named Monstro. The water effects and like Monstro feeling like a force of nature is just, it's good. Like a good combo of all of aspects of making a film, right? Monstro was so just everything from his expressions to when he's taking the, the fish in and out. Um, at one point, uh, when Pinocchio, Geppetto is going to fix a meal and, and Pinocchio's like, no, we need to smoke it out. Like, so we can get out of here. And then all the smoke like coming out of his mouth and then him it looks like, so good. sucking in and out and, and then him going after them, him being angry and oh, going so after mad. them and just zooming through the water, coming up, coming after them, crashing into the rocks. Oh my gosh. It would, I, I would think that, that I think was was one of the things that that didn't want me to, to watch. I just feel like it was so intense for a I, while I that think, it was really scary. I think it certainly could be, but I, I think mo- for the most part, when people talk about the stuff that terrified them as a kid, it's the turning into a donkey thing. Mm. I, I don't think... I think especially just because, you know, Pinocchio gets away um, from, from the whale that I, I don't think that's yeah. generally considered, like, a thing that really terrified children. Yeah. Um, my question is, do you think Monstro died? Probably do you not. think he's fine? I think he's fine. Uh, what I what I liked about Monstro is whenever we like see him for the first couple of times, he looks like a part of the background, like the way that he is mm. colored in or whatever. It's like that matte painting. And he pretty much always felt like that. And what I think that does is it makes him feel bigger yeah. or like his too immense to like be a character drawn yeah, in a yeah. certain colored in a certain way. I, I don't know. Like I, I, it just worked so well to make him feel like this terrifying, huge thing. Yeah. Like, like 
apart the, from our small baby characters. Yeah, like the back, the way that the backgrounds versus characters are, like usually they're kind of colored differently. And it's like, no, uh, Monstro, again, like too immense to be a, a character. He is yeah. a force. And that force is still like pulled a, is is a, away from these characters somehow. Yeah. I don't know. I always, I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I mean, he looks great. And he's, I I think some people like waffle on whether or not you can consider Monstro a villain versus just like uh, an animal. But I feel like the intent is definitely for him to be a villain. And I think that's most communicated with his eyes when he, when he sees that like group of fish going by and he gets kind of this like evil glint in that eye or whatever, or just like the way that he angrily like looks at, at, at things i think the intent is that he has malevolence within him (laughs) rather than is just a wild animal you know i think he's an evil whale (laughs) um i liked when um everyone washes ashore or whatever and uh jiminy's hopping around trying to find Pinocchio and then like partway through saying his name it's just like this jump cut to Pinocchio lying dead in the water <laughs> half submerged <laughs> yeah face just down. face down in the water it's like oh oh no <laughs> just like he's fine not but a, like, not a fully unnatural pose but like not a restful pose not a restful is alive and doing well kind of pose yeah 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 is a like this might be a corpse pose <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it was good, very distressing to see that. But he's ultimately fine. Then we we cut like pretty much immediately after that to him in bed uh, and Geppetto's place, and we get our little end of the movie where Pinocchio gets to become a real boy. And but he is dead. He's laying on the bed, and everyone's sobbing. Oh yeah. In fact, in fact, when the when the blue fairy comes in and and you know, or I don't know if she comes in the room, but you, there's the sparkle or yeah, I don't think she physically voice, comes in. But. And then Pinocchio wakes up. And and I was like, I love, that was one of, that was a really, really funny. He's just like, Pinocchio, you're dead. Lay back down. I mean, like, I'm, try- I'm trying to cry about you right now. If you could like, be quiet a little bit. And he's like, but no, no, I'm a real. Yeah. No, I, I think it, I think it is important that he's dead. Like, I think it is important that he sacrifices himself to save his father. Like they make a really good, I think that's why during the scene where they're trying to escape from Monstro. That's why the cat and the goldfish and the cricket have to go away. Because you don't need to be worrying about them right there. And I know that you're still fully capable of doing that. But <laughs> they're they're removed from the scene visually to focus you in on Geppetto's gonna die because he is old and tired and he can't go and he's telling Pinocchio to go and to take care of himself but Pinocchio refuses to do that and keeps himself in harm's way to save his dad yeah and like dies in the process and that willingness to love and care about Geppetto to the point that he would die for him is what lets him be a good boy. It lets him be a real boy, you know, as he proves that he ultimately does have goodness in his heart, even if he got led astray multiple times. Um, and yeah, I, it's good. I, I do. I like that. Yeah. And we were watching uh, some of the, the extras at the end and there was like an alternate ending scene that I thought was interesting where they, they made some things explicit there that weren't in the, one that ended up being the ending, which in the alternate one, 
Geppetto's the one that dies. And Pinocchio is upset and he's like, this is my fault, essentially. Uh, and I think that the other way, you know, how it originally is works because he dies. But I, I find it interesting that they don't make explicit in the original in it, like even before is that, you know, this is a consequence of Pinocchio's actions. Yeah. That's why Geppetto is here. And I can only, you know, assume that that was some of the other motivating factors of why Pinocchio is working this hard. Not just because he loves Geppetto, but he knows that Geppetto is only in this situation because of Pinocchio. Yeah. No more spoilers. Let's move on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? I think for me, just because it was just so horrible was was the children calling for their moms and then and then being you know like especially being trapped but also being donkeys and going into a crying out mama into a bray oh just was just too much for me oh no i love how twisted that is (laughs) that was so messed up i thought like i said i thought that was worse than the transformation scene of just like you're not monstrous enough. Like, you're separated before. I think for adults, I feel like that part is arguably the scarier part. I think for kids, it's the transformation because they're putting themselves in Lampwick shoes sure. in this, like, and actually seeing it happen. Like, I I think, yeah, I think it just depends on your, your viewpoint, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I guess... I guess for the most part, like, most of the scenes felt like they, you know, they had a function. So I'm trying to think of, like, nothing felt super superfluous, I guess. Uh, Or if it was, like, it was maybe enjoyable. (laughs) I don't know. Do you have one? I feel like something with Stromboli just, but I don't know. It might just be that he's my least favorite character because of how he's depicted. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about, I just thought about this in hindsight, but but some of the scenes I could have done, the only thing I could have done without was the scenes that showed um, Jiminy Cricket being lecherous. That's where I was moving towards too. Yeah, I, I could have, I think, going back, I, I, I think I'll say that. Um, that, I mean, the one... The one that the, the children bring and calling for mommy, that was the most disturbing to me. But I think my least favorite was Jiminy Cricket being lecherous because that, that didn't add anything. And I absolutely could have done without that. Yeah, I don't know which exactly of the Jiminy being like that. <laughs> Maybe him seems... even leaning on the girls, Heine. And... No, because I did laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the scene with him dancing with the... Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think it's the part of um, Got No Strings on Me where he ogles the can-can dancers. Mm, like, I already got yeah. that they're supposed to be attractive. I don't need to see this yeah. bug thing, so. Yeah. So I'm going to say that. That shot. Sure. I'll <laughs> agree. I'll agree. What was your favorite part of the movie? If it's in spoilers, be vague. Maybe a controversial Pleasure Island. <laughs> I li- I like the horrifying stuff with the kids being donkeys and calling for their mom and Lampwick transforming. I love that stuff. <laughs> That's my favorite. I was looking forward to it the whole time. Uh, I will go with the underwater stuff just because it does. Yeah, it does look really good. It does. It looks no, that's really high good. up there. 
Well, and I'm going to go with something to me that was also visually stunning, and that is uh, the uh, Pinocchio being in in the cage in the wagon and all the movement of the marionettes and the, and the, the window and what they're passing. And then, and then that, that brief missing each other with Geppetto in the rain. (laughs) And then again, the way that, that carriage, you know, and the, the wagon move past and all of that with the rain, the water. Oh, it was just, I think that was my favorite. Yeah. I think, I think my favorite's what I said, but in second place is it probably just, generally the end with Pinocchio in the water and Monstro and everything. And then in third place for me um, is any scene with Honest John and Gideon. I do. I do like those guys. (laughs) Who was your least favorite character? Minus Stromboli, just because he makes me uncomfortable. Mine is too. He just, he feels racist. Like as a race, he feels like a racist depiction and I just don't like it. Who was your favorite character? For me, I, I know this is silly. I want to say Cleo. I love Cleo. <laughs> I mean, she's really so cute. Much. She seems like a sweetheart. All that she wants is to be face. around the people she cares about and to do some smooches. She <laughs> wants some smooches. Yep. Yep. Just uh, a kissy fish. Yeah, because I mean, like, it's not like. I guess, like, Pinocchio isn't fully unlikable, but his naivete is can be frustrating. Sure. Jiminy is too lecherous for me. <laughs> I really like Jiminy, but <laughs> not a great conscience, it feels like. <laughs> um I don't know. I guess I guess I, I don't know. I feel like Geppetto also, but not not hundred percent great. Uh I'll go with Figaro, I guess. Yeah, yay. It's a solid choice. It's a good yeah. little kitty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here are my top three, starting from the third, uh, going up to the first. Oh my gosh! I my love third you. favorite is Monstro, terrifying, That's just true. a just a big yeah. colossal force of nature that is scary. Uh, my second is the Coachman. Uh, I fully do right. believe that he's the devil, and, oh, and, oh, and he's terrifying. Oh. That face that he makes when he's talking to Honest John and Gideon is is one of the scariest things in the movie. He's like, why are you, your face shouldn't do that? He's 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 evil man, but I like that he's not as much at the fore. Like he's there, but he's not one of the like iconic villains that shows up in stuff after Pinocchio to like represent Pinocchio on the villain thing. This is interesting to me. Uh, and then number one is Honest John Worthington Foulfellow. <laughs> Um, and kind of also getting at the same time, like they're a good pair, but if I have to pick just one, then it's going to be Mr. Foulfellow. He's just got such a slimy charm to him. And I like how tattered his clothes are and stuff. And just his, the way about him, he pretends he's reading a book and he's got it upside down. What a dummy. Uh, no, I like where he was like, and we got paid big and he pulls out a small coin. Yeah. Yeah. And he's. Talk, telling Pinocchio about how sick he is while just saying nonsense words that don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I like him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like the villains, except for Stromboli for reasons. Oh goodness. If Tim Curry played a character in this movie, if you rework Stromboli heavily, that could work. The like not didn't make him a racist caricature. 
Uh, Coachman, yeah, he wouldn't, he doesn't say that much, especially outside of his initial talking to Honest John and Gideon. But he could work in an evil laugh. Tim Curry would be. I get. Be I guess. Innocent. I don't know. Does he make? I guess he makes some evil laughs. No, I'm just here. saying. If Tim Curry yeah. depicted him, they would need to work in an evil laugh. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Maybe. He could maybe do Honest John, but it'd be a, a bit of a different take. Mm-hmm. Um. What if he was Geppetto? What What about that? Mm, I to me. Geppetto, they well, at least at least visually, they have Geppetto seem so much older. I just don't know. I don't know if I think the his, I think I the feel like his dumbness is, is maybe yeah yeah I don't know. yeah I don't know or, or kind of quirky or kind of I can uh, believe Tim Curry is an unintelligent villain, but I have a harder time believing him as an unintelligent like father figure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, babe. Yeah. I just got feelings. I think he could do Geppetto. I think he could. He'd probably do a better job than certain other people in live action. <laughs> Anyways, we not going to go there. Not going to go there. I haven't seen it. Um, I just am ready to hate it. Maybe I'll watch it and I'll love it. I, I'm going to try mean, to go into it with an open mind, even though right now I am not talking about it like, with an open mind. But when we watch it, I'm going to go in with an open heart. All right. Um, and we'll probably We're gonna be hold horribly you to disappointed. That. Stop. You got to be open heart. You don't. So I'm not. I said not right now. Later. Okay. Um... What was your least favorite song in this movie? Because I forgot to say that earlier. It should have been before Tim Curry, but now we're doing it here. And I'm not going to like try to edit and move that before. This is just where it's happening now. Least favorite song. Um, and thank you, Mom, for remembering Thank that. you, Mom, for remembering that. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot to. This is a mess. <laughs> so, uh, when You Wish Upon a Star, Little Wooden Head, Give a Little Whistle, High Diddly D, and I've Got No Strings. I mean, does Little Wooden Head even count? Yes. Well, probably that. Yeah. If, if, if you don't want to count it, then do one of the others. I I mean, honestly, the, the top songs to me, like, seems pretty obvious. Uh-huh. And the other ones don't really matter. Okay, so, tell me what which ones don't matter. I'm just gonna <laughs> guess as a. Uh, I'm just gonna say, give a little whistle is my least favorite. Okay, I don't. All right. it doesn't matter. How do you feel about that? I believe that is the song at which point you started singing <laughs> and commented on. Oh, you know, there's some good songs in yeah, here. Yeah. So I how do you think, feel about yeah, that? I, have, I like. Give What's your least whistle. favorite? I would just say probably Little Wooden Head. It's not a bad song, but it's just, just kind of a of, little. Yeah. yeah. It's probably, little, it's, just my least, it's just my least favorite. Full disclosure, I can't whistle. So maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's just upset. Um, yeah, I'll also go with a Little Wooden Head. It's not enough of a thing. Um, yeah. What was your favorite song in the movie? I mean, which one is the, like, de facto Disney, (laughs) (laughs) like, uh, song for the whole company? When You Wish Upon a Star? Yeah, like, (laughs) why would that not be it? No Strings on Me is actually really cute, though. Yeah, I've got No Strings. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that one has also popped up in Avengers randomly, but... Sure. Yeah, ultimately, When You Wish Upon a Star. I'm going to be contrarian here just because High Diddly D gets stuck in my head constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> and, he also, and he also at one point says that an actor's life is gay, and I know he doesn't mean it that way, but love that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Also, I think he's gay. He's an evil gay, and that's, you know, one of many, one of many that Disney has, and that's fine, but I, 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 
I think When You Wish Upon a Star is the best song. Like, it's the most iconic. It's beautifully sung. Yeah, I just want to give a little bit towards High Diddly D. Yeah, a, I, love, I love High I also sang to that, too. I, I, for whatever reason, it's like a pirate's life for me. And I, yeah. Is that, am I getting into something <laughs> else there? Or is yeah. that, they probably make well, yeah, I think you're. Bad, I think probably. you're getting into the Pirates of the Caribbean song, like from the ride in Disneyland. I guess. But anyways, um, let's go on to our overall consensus and what we'd rate it. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, visually stunning, story straightforward in, in its way, I suppose. Recommend it? I mean, yeah, it's a fine Disney film. Sure, I'll recommend it. Rating wise, it's got a big racist racist thing in there. Yeah, one that I don't feel we talk about enough. Like we, everyone's like. Yeah, the the Siamese cats and the uh, Native Americans and Peter Pan and stuff. That's obviously bad. People don't people don't talk about Stromboli being obviously bad, and feel, I feel like yeah, they should. It feels bad. It, it feels it, bad. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's not as bad. I don't know. It feels bad. It feels bad. He's literally called the G slur. Yeah, and he's like greedy I mean, and self centered, and like it's just it feels bad. It feels bad. Uh, so rating wise, this is more, you know, personal to me. So I know that this is, uh, won awards and stuff. Uh, I guess like, like, I I feel like I should rate it higher than what I want to rate it. Go with your heart, babe. I think I'll give it like a, like a 3.5. I, I wouldn't want to watch this again. Just because it was like, okay, I saw it. That's fine. But it's not like it's terrible. So yeah, I'm going to say 3.5. This is a hard one for me, but I probably am going to surprise you. And I think I'm going to rate it at a four. It's not one that I would want to watch again and again, but because it is so visually stunning and amazing and then things that it just it breaks my heart to know that we don't do normally because it's too cost, you know, too costly in animation anymore. But again, those underwater scenes, those effects, uh, are just amazing. The songs were great. Um, what brings it down, you know, for me is the rewatchability. I mean, it's not a story that I really want to watch again. And I also, you know, again, the, the, the racism and things like that. And so I, I am going to recommend it. But I am going to have a caveat that I do feel like it needs to be upper elementary and above. Um, I wouldn't recommend it for younger kids just because still I'm not as again. I, and it just surprises me because I you all I just remind you, I went into this thinking. I mean, this is yeah. my worst, least favorite film of all times. I that I just thought I was going to be miserable. I didn't think it was, it was the, your least favorite film of all time. Well, it's your least favorite le- Disney le- film. Least favorite Disney. I was going to say, but just but again, it, it the story. Um, I, I mean, again, I'm still not that thrilled with the story, but just the animation, the music are just amazing. I, I mean, just blew me away, honestly. Just, just, yeah. I'm going to split right in the middle and say 3.75. It would be a four if Stromboli weren't like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I like it. Um, I wouldn't mind watching it again, um, but it's certainly not one of those that I'd want to just watch again and again. I don't actually rewatch the movies all that often anyways, but um, 
but yeah, I I think it was really good when I was actually paying attention to it, unlike the last time that I tried to watch it. Um, the animation is immaculate. The the songs are are pretty much all cute little ditties, whether or not they're like amazing all timers. Um, yeah, it's it's mostly some of the racism stuff, um, and you know, could, could have been some ladies in this besides the blue fairy. I don't know. Um, I, and Cleo can't forget Cleo. Yeah, Anyways, oh yeah, she was my favorite. I was character. mostly joking because she's yeah, like know, a fish that's barely yeah. here. Anyways, <laughs> um, I think it's good and I recommend it. And I wish Tromboli wasn't like that, and that more people actually voiced having a problem with i'm sure that there's plenty of people who have but i just feel like in the cultural consciousness that that hasn't been deemed like a terrible thing in the way that some other disney movies have had their scenes been like oh we are all recognized that's bad now anyways that's what i think thank you all very much for listening yes thanks and I would really love to have you all join me any Wednesday at 7 p.m. CST or CDT on Nana Critter on Twitch, where I am streaming Witcher 3. Uh, and these wonderful ladies will be in the chat with me. Uh, again, it's Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And you can find me on Nan- with Nana Critter, N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R. So yeah, join me. And next time we'll be watching another Pinocchio movie. Pinocchio Palooza. Is it better to be Pinocchio Palooza or Pinocchio Palooza? Pinocchio Palooza. I think no, it's Pinocchio Palooza. Like, I don't like Pinocchio. Pinocchio Palooza. It's better than Pinocchio Palooza. Whatever. There's a, it's, it's <laughs> wow. You have to have a, a bridging. Vowel. I think it's kind of fun. anyways we're gonna be watching the russian one next time um which is the only one that's not just like pinocchio yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i mean guillermo del toro's is guillermo del toro's pinocchio but like otherwise they're all just like pinocchio but this one is called the adventures of buratino so all right oh gosh i'm a little bit nervous now (laughs) especially if we get the original too much of the original we don't know we'll see join us next time Bye. bye bye Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening! Let's test the things right now. Hello. No. Oh. <laughs> Not kidding. loud enough. All right. <laughs>
My no wasn't loud enough. Mm-mm. Try again. No. Better. 